Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is Pastoral Podcast, a conversation with Father Josh Michaels. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Father Josh Michaels, assistant priest in a Sydney parish, and also the host of The Furnace, a podcast which is uh, has been making its way in Sydney now for what is it? How long has it been now, Father? Seven months, eight Seven months, months, maybe. Now, in yeah. podcast land, that's actually quite a long time um, compared to the average of people who, who don't go very well. That's really good, and in particular, your numbers are looking good, but that's probably not as important as the people that you've actually created the podcast for, the um, mm. the people you're trying to reach. So perhaps could we start with a little bit of a, a background story? Why did you start doing this recording? Because you weren't doing it before COVID, were you? The idea actually sort of had occurred to me before COVID and a couple of people had suggested I put my record my homilies and put them online. And I... I always said, no, I don't think that's my mission. My mission is just to be a priest in a parish. That's a good enough mission as it is, plenty to do. I love that. Don't want to be distracted. But then, um, as you say, COVID came along and uh, what really touched my heart actually was I just noticed on Facebook, I happened to be on Facebook, and uh, Melbourne was being shut down and uh, the churches were closing. People weren't being able to go to Mass. And, uh, I mean, I have a lot of friends in Melbourne and uh, they were just saying, look, what are we going to do? And it was almost like we're crying out, what do we do? And um, I thought, well, yeah, that's right. And this is the case all over Australia now as well. And so what can I do to help? I'm a priest. And and the idea came up again. I thought about it and prayed about it and I asked a couple of friends, what do you reckon? And um, and then in the end I said, look, I'll just have a go and see what happens. Right. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but at one stage you had pu- were publishing your homilies on a, a blog or something like that. So you're not a stranger to having your homilies out there. That's right. But this yes. is a different medium. Uh, what do you think the difference is and why, why would you change to this medium? Uh, that's a good question. A few reasons why. Number one, I think I get the impression, my pastoral experiences, I get the impression people are spending a lot more time in their cars basically and right. on public transport getting to work. And um, this is in general, not not just COVID, but in general, you mean in Sydney? In general, anyway, that's right. That's yeah. right. And um, so, already from a point of view of uh, getting homilies across, something like that, uh, it's a lot easier for people just to listen without while they're driving or while they're washing up at home or whatever it is. Yep. Uh, instead of sitting down, taking time to read a post and going back again, and yep, uh, there seems to be a lot more, a lot greater po- uh, listening to podcasting. Listening in general seems to be a lot greater part of our culture now, maybe than twenty years ago, for example. Yeah, we're not reading as much these days, are we? Well, that's that's definitely the case. Uh, even online, we it's interesting that they with a lot of articles they put the reading time now. Yes, and I mean. Like it's interesting. So, what does that mean? Like, you need to calculate how much time you can do, and so it, it it's sort of like people really have to prioritize what they give their attention to. Yes. But if they can listen while they're doing something at the same time, it sort of saves time, I guess. Yeah. So, There's a yeah. kind of a. I mean, in fairness, your homilies aren't as short as the podcast often is. I mean, your podcast is how long on average? On average, about two to three minutes. I think maybe five right. minutes on a Sunday. It's a huge yeah. um, difference. Um, 
for people, I think, especially if they listen to this Catholic life, they've got to set aside 35 minutes or so. Whereas, mm. you know, if it's, if it's less than five minutes, it's just a really quick take and it's a, an uplifting or a challenging homily. That's a very different commitment. So it's an easier commitment, if you like, but it's also one mm. that bang for buck. I mean, that's five minutes where you get a full, a full, um, you know, sermon. That's a really good thing. It strikes yeah. me. At the top of a lot of internet posts, you mentioned they have reading time, but they often also have a TLDR, the too long didn't read sentence. <laughs> so they have a TLDR at the front of the top of a post with a one sentence summary of the contents. Wow, um, really? Yeah. So I was thinking maybe is your podcast, uh, the short homily you give on the podcast, is that a, like a TLDR of what happened on Sunday or, or do you deliver the same thing on Sunday? Ah, so uh, especially with the Sunday homilies, I do make a distinction. So uh, as I imagine all the listeners could guess, I prepare them well in advance of the day they're actually uh, published. And so I always uh, prepare them in advance. But on the Sunday, what happens is I go back to it and look at it again and see is there anything I need to change, especially because, especially because um, speaking to people generally, that's one thing. And speaking to your Catholic congregation, or almost completely Catholic, in your church, who you know personally, yes, that's another thing. And uh, I think one important uh, lesson I learned early on, already when I was uh, blogging a little bit, was uh, to be aware of who your audience is and to right. speak appropriately to them. So if you don't know who they are and they don't know you, you need to be a lot more careful about what you say because it's very easy for people to misunderstand, misinterpret yes. what you say. Uh, well, that's a, that's and- a very good point, Father, especially um, if you're in a parish, you eyeball your, your parishioners, they sometimes will give you quite honest feedback, you know, after a homily. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of that kind of thing happening. But what's, what I'm interested in is how can you have that kind of relationship with podcast listeners? What kind of feedback have you got and has it given you that sense for your audience? Okay, so uh, I've received uh, a fair bit of feedback. One good thing already was I never actually asked for it. It's just people <laughs> who, but it's good. I mean, I guess it's 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 true that in the parish you get lots of feedback you didn't ask for either. Yeah, but just for the uh, listeners, but that's, that's, what Father doesn't mean he didn't want it. He just never actually begged for it. On the that's right. We didn't, you know, we didn't. I didn't say at the end of the podcast, please send me your feedback so I can improve this. Or, I mean, of course, I care. I care very much what people think, but uh, I never actually asked. Yeah. And um, the point was just to get it out there, and we'll just see what happens. Right. And what was what's really been great for me and uh, for my producer Mike as well. We've been really touched by. Uh, the fact that people have just bothered just to directly contact me and say, you know, whatever they said, you know, which has been really effective. Right. So, um, and has that been surprising exam- to you the the amount the kind of feedback you've got? Uh, I've been surprising how I've been surprised how touched people are. Right. Like it's for like for for them that it's really important what they hear. And for example, and this goes to the point of the podcast in the first place that while of course it is not a substitute for mass where they could go, or even Sunday Mass, it's still some, It's still a spiritually important encounter with Christ with them for that day, which colors the way they live out the rest of the day. And, and so in that sense, it's life-changing. Like it changes the way I look at my day. And that's yes. very helpful for a lot of, from a lot of the feedback we've heard, which is yeah. great. And I'm really happy about that. It strikes me that Catholics don't have um, 
by and large, I'm not talking about all Catholics, but most Catholics wouldn't have a daily habit of engaging in scripture and prayer. And perhaps, perhaps what you're doing in this podcast is encouraging them to meditate on scripture on a, on a, you know, on a much more regular basis. Would you say that's a part of your aim? But I hope so. I mean, uh, it's, 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 I mean, hopefully with them, you see, I mean, certainly it's the experience I have myself because what I share in a homily, uh, is in part what Christ has told me through the sacred text. So when we take time to read and pray with the sacred text, we encounter Christ. It just happens. It just happens. And the word of God, uh, sacred scripture is almost sacramental in that sense, if I may say. But hopefully that also comes out in, in what I say because um, you see how, how rel- I mean, relevant is a very overused word. Maybe I want another <laughs> word. But, used and uh, abused word, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, how, how directly it concerns what I'm living today. Right. Which sort of reflects a little bit, for example, uh, the experience. I mean, I have this, and I imagine a lot of the, the priests and religious who pray the office, for example, the daily office have. Uh, so we, we pray five times a day, the, the Psalms and so on, as we have for centuries and centuries. And what's really interesting is when often when you stop in the day, in the middle of the day, especially, and you're tired or you're discouraged or you're wondering why did that happen or I'm suffering or whatever it is, and you pray one of the, suddenly in one of the Psalms or the text, bang, that's exactly what you needed to hear. And it, and you've encountered Christ, he's spoken to you, and it, and you change your attitude to that problem and you live the rest of the day, the day differently. And this is why this kind of thing, hopefully, and from the feedback we've had, this is really the case, it's really life-changing in the sense of it changes the way I live today and it brings God and, you know, all that kind of thing. An important part of it is the regularity of it though, isn't it? It's the kind of the constant sort of touching base with God's Word. It's it's sort of like we're actually in a relationship, like Christ calls himself the bridegroom and we're the bride. We're in a relationship. If I didn't talk to my wife, I mean, I know her reasonably well. I've been hanging around her for about, you know, close to 30 years. We've been married for over 25. I know her reasonably well, but if I ever just sat there and went, well, I know everything I need to know about her. I just won't talk to her for a year. That's The relationship goes, starts to go downhill as soon as we're not in constant contact. And that, mm. so having that constant contact with the word is is a way of staying in conversation with our beloved. Absolutely. And to underline it, when I take time with the Word of God, I discover, to my surprise perhaps, God is talking to me. Before I say something, He is talking to me. And He's talking to me about my particular situation which I'm living, saying things I didn't think of or I'd forgotten, you know? Yeah. And it's so helpful. And, and it's really in the sim- this simple way, for example, one of the many we experience in the church where we really see Christ is really alive. He's really interested in me and he takes time to be with me every day and to help me get through my day and to live it really in a free way to set me free. Yeah. is what I desire actually. Yeah. The other thing that struck me as you were talking about the Psalms, if we can diverge a little bit away from podcasts at the moment, the Psalms um, are prayers which come from the full range of human experience in the relationship with God. So there, are, there's despair in there. There's happiness. There's joy, and all the ones we we hear people like to sing. And then there's the ones where people are just angry at God, or or really distressed and want to know where God is, and how could you possibly do this, God? And all these kinds of emotions that all of us naturally feel. They're not all good emotions, but we feel them, and that's a normal part of a relationship. And just like any relationship, the it's never a good thing to just not talk about it. 
Um, so if I if I was angry with my wife, um, a, only a very bad therapist would say, "Well, just don't talk to her until you sorted that out." <laughs> no, mm. you, you've got to actually sit down and have a you know express in a obviously in a constructive way express um, the full range of the emotions so that you can the healing can begin between you. And when we're Absolutely. when we're hurt with God, we need those kind of words. Maybe you can tell me more about your experience, but in the brief ministerial experience I had in the Lutheran Church, I found that I would carry around psalms without any markings on them to say that they were psalms, just the psalm itself. I would carry around certain psalms on on a printed sheet, like a a laminated card or something like that. And if someone um, was in a very, very difficult situation, I'd simply hand them the card. I wouldn't say anything because often... You know, they don't want to hear platitudes from the religious guy. <laughs> so I'd hand them the card and, and so often people would come up to me and say, who wrote this? I need to meet them. They get it. Wow. Um, and it was like Psalm 13 or Psalm 22, the really anguished Psalms crying out to God from a really hard situation. And they'd come up, they'd, they'd say, this person gets it. I want to talk to them. Well, I can introduce you, <laughs> but that's about as good much as I can do. Well, something I can think of. Uh, in my experience, which reflects something of that is, uh, so I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Sydney, but I'm also a priest of the Emmanuel community. Right. And uh, something we do, and it's a regular thing for us in Sydney, uh, once a month is we uh, go to a church in Sydney and we take time meeting people in the street. And part of what we give them uh, are little excerpts of the Word of God, of Scripture. Okay, and uh, we we don't choose them, oh, this must be for this person and so on. We just (laughs) offer them. So they take it. Right. right, and uh, what's really interesting so often is um, that I mean they ask us so what is it? And we explain it's the word of God or something like that, and then they take it and read the text, and they themselves are pierced to the heart by um, what they read, and it, it speaks to them directly. And right. I mean we have countless stories, not only in Sydney but in the community all over the world, where this has been an effective, simple, and effective way of helping people have an encounter with Christ in yeah. his word. Oh, you know, they take it and they say, God is speaking to me. Right. And he understands what I'm living. They have the experience of the compassion of God, yep. which makes him close, you know, and then further things are possible after that. So All right. that's well, a example. This is going to get me in trouble now, um, Father, because I'm going to have a bit of a shot at you. Um, in this yeah, not, I knew. I knew. Not yep. personally, and I'm not going to have a go at the street thing. That's That's another story. I just wanted to say, Lots of people want to create programs for evangelization. They want to do all these really cool things or they want to write really savvy articles and do fancy podcasts, for example, like like mea culpa, mea culpa. Um, But in fact, often we're surprised that the word of God has such an impact, but we shouldn't be. Because it's God's word. It's like, what could I possibly have created? What program could I have created? What clever argument could I have created that could be, or even come close to the impact of God's own word himself given in, in the word of God? It's just, it seems to me to be astounding that we're still asking, how do we do this? When in fact, the answer is to, to share God's word as much as we possibly can. Absolutely. And uh, it's why, I mean, I'm only... I'm five years old tomorrow as a priest, okay? So <laughs> this is just five years' experience, so I bow to those longer priests and whatever. Um, but one thing, I, my, I have a growing stronger opinion that if more people, especially more Catholics, took time every night to do an examination of conscience 
and prayed night prayer, Compline, the prayer of the church, the Psalms, and uh, I think they would be a lot more at peace with themselves because uh, they did the examine. So, you know, they apologize for, to God for where they've stuffed up in the day, but they also recognize where they did the right thing. They grow in wisdom, they learn a bit and so on. And then they take time, you know, a few minutes, a couple of minutes with the beloved to pray the Psalms and the, the scripture and everything which is there. Each time you're touched by something different. And then as we do at the end of Compline, right, we really place ourselves in the, the arms of God our Father and we go to yep. sleep. Now, and, you, uh, you've, you've talked about this prayer, Compline. Let's pretend that there's a listener out there, and I'm sure there are many who've never heard of this. Where would they get access to such thing? Uh, so, for example, uh, there's an app called Universalis. Uh, I think you have to pay for it, but it's only a one-off, like, Twelve dollars Australian. You can actually get it free uh, with a slightly um, older translation, but you can get pay twelve dollars or something for the full modern translation. Yeah, that's right. So you can actually yep. go to the, the Universalis website just on the internet, and you get it for free. Yes, um, we'll put a link to that in our show notes, by the way. Yeah, and um, you just pray it. Uh, so you, the, I mean, it, you follow the instructions there. So, and how long would it take, Father, if you prayed compliance? If you prayed it properly, what, like two or three minutes, I suppose? Yeah. If you were suddenly by yourself. But, I mean, if you're mm. a couple, for example, I don't know, okay, the realities of married life and so on, okay. Yep. But it could be interesting, like, is there a place? And I, I, I have encouraged certain couples I've prepared for marriage, for example, to consider that. Yeah. You know? It's certainly part of our family routine that we don't do it every night, but we have a rotation through certain prayers. So sometimes we'll pray the litany of Joseph or Mary or, or we'll pray... Compline, which is actually the Psalms um, of the of that particular hour, hmm. um, in rotation, and the, and the kids even get into the routine of it because it's easy to go do once you're in the routine. And as you said, it's only a few minutes, so um, yeah, it's quite it's quite simple. It's a Psalm, maybe two. Most hmm. of the time, I think it's just one, uh, and it's really good because you finish the day contextualizing everything. You okay. put everything in its place. Yeah, stuff happened, and oh yeah, but. God loves me and I'm in his arms and it's okay and I'm going to be okay. Yep. And uh, a thing like that, certainly long-term, I think can have a profoundly positive effect on, I think on someone's mental health, for example. I'm not a psychologist, yep. so whatever. It's just general advice. But, um, <laughs> which, you know, but uh, certainly as a recommendation, I think it'd be very helpful for people. Right. Uh, to, you know, I mean, is there, I mean, is there a better way of going to bed than going to bed in the arms of God? No, no. So So let's come back to the COVID thing. What do you think we've learned about um, being a Catholic parish, being a Catholic ministry, being just ordinary Catholics to our our neighbours in the time of COVID? What has it taught us? This is a very good question. Then this is where I may get into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So um, It's not a real podcast, Father, if I haven't got someone into trouble. (laughs) So uh, just reflecting out loud in in no particular order, uh, I think one thing we've learned is uh, the internet is not evil and uh, technology is not bad, but it's uh, it's it's a thing. It's a, it's a it's a marvel of 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 something that humans can produce, which can can in certain situations for certain things be very appropriately and effectively used uh, to to do our pastoral work, especially when we can't go out, and to evangelize and to and to help people encounter Christ even though I'm not in the room with them. So I think that's one important thing. Yep. Um, a second thing is, which sort of goes along with the first is, 
we can't do everything with technology. Right. Right. We can do a lot of good things, and that's one thing. Another thing is we can't do everything as well. So there are certain things like we're Catholic, so uh, we've, we really are very sacramental. Right. right. So, for example, and people have experienced this in their hearts and in, in their bodies, and I noticed it was really interesting um, when people could slowly start coming back to church, the number of people who could who come to Mass and who would be crying, weeping in a quiet way and so on, just by virtue of the fact that they could be inside the church seeing the Eucharist really there and be able to receive it, right? and uh, the Eucharist for which they had longed for. I've never seen this before in my life. Um, even at the you know greatest uh, youth uh, emotional events, whatever, I haven't seen this before. There was a real appreciation. So the, the mass is really mass, really a sacramental, and uh, physical presence is really important. It's human. It's really important. So while we can, we always say we can do lots of stuff with Zoom and things, and there's lots of things we can do. We also what's been good for us to notice and help appreciate humanly, and maybe we've forgotten in the last few years, the last couple of decades, maybe is that spending time physically with each other is really important. Even if there's not any touch, we still need to be with each other. Mm. Um, and that's very important. So that's the second thing. Yeah. Um, probably are some other things. But that already those two, I think, is important, you know? Right. Two, two important lessons. Well, if they're the lessons we've learned, what do you hope um, comes out of this in practical terms? Obviously, uh, well, we started ours before COVID, uh, the podcast, but certainly it's come into its own in, in a different way during COVID. And your podcast has been one of the fruits, if you like, of this time. But what else do you, do you hope that we achieve during this time? What's what, maybe a change of mindset or just programs or activities or um, stuff that we come out the other end of this with? Do you mean as, as a church? Yeah, as, a ch- or as, yeah. as people in Sydney or around Australia. Well, I think first of all that uh, that we appreciate the importance of spending time with each other so i mean uh, this is easy for a priest to say so parents please don't shoot me but uh, uh, as a parent to spend time with my children and to be with them yep uh, which i know is hard and, and okay but so and the the opportunity for example of prioritization we may have or we may be able to seek for example uh, so the fact, apparently, uh, I keep reading in the newspapers that uh, many people, not all, uh, but there are a lot of people who are able to have some time to work at home. To what extent can I take that up a couple of days a week or something to be able to spend more time with my family, for yep. example? Yep. Reflecting on that, um, I have to say, as someone who has worked from home, I teach from home for the university. It's meant that I don't lose three hours a day in travel. So that's been a massive yeah. difference in terms of my family yeah. time. But in some respects, there's a danger there that if I allow my, if work has come into my home and if I'm not careful, it can take over my entire day, including the extra time I might have got from the, from, you know, because it's too easy just to duck back into my office and do a bit more work. And uh, rather than when I have to come home from the office to, to home, I'm definitely home. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. well, so, which is a really uh, a school in freedom hmm. and responsibility. Very good. All right. So discuss with my spouse, okay, how should this work? All right. And to to try and be organized enough. I know family life is still I mean, you're allowing for the normal chaos of family life anyway. Um, but to to have the time set aside and okay, this from this time on, I'm just here for the kids and, and yep. the other spouse helps me do that, for example. Yeah. You know? Yep. Or the kids might as well. I imagine the kids would yeah. 
say, hey, Dad, you're meant to be working or Dad, you're meant to be spending time with me, you know, whatever. So, I like I like the title there, the sc- A School in Freedom. It sounds like a book you'll have to write sometime, Father. <laughs> I'd read that uh, one. <laughs> Don't tell me. I think I already have enough on my plate. Well, we'll see if God wants, sure. Who knows? Indeed. I mean, I would, I'd, at the end of last year, would have had no idea I'd have a podcast. It yeah. was completely unexpected and I really take it as... Yeah opportunity the Lord gave me through the good people we have here. That's so. probably another lesson that I've um, taken from COVID is that you often we feel down or positive or all the things we feel in terms of making plans um, because we have this delusion that we actually know what's coming in the next year. Um, and my wife and I have, have a running joke that we've had mm. over 25 years of marriage that is, if you want to give God a laugh, tell him your five-year plan. Um mm. Because you just you make all the plans in the world, and sometimes I'm a bit depressed about what's coming in the year, or sometimes I'm very excited, and then within a, within a month of being in the year, suddenly you're all all the circumstances are completely turned on their head. You're doing something completely different than what you thought you were going to be doing, and um, who knows what comes next, kind of thing. But you're right; it's definitely a, a good reminder for us in COVID that we're not in control. Yeah, you know, and I mean. We, are, we we can be in control to the extent that, okay, I'm responsible for what I do and I will decide how I live things. I make that decision I choose. It's not just forced on me how I live it. I choose how I react. So there's that. But at the same time, I don't control everybody else. Mm. And um, it's God who's in control, actually. And it's sort of been interesting to see, I mean, like, so the – I'm not diminishing the, the virus in any sense, but what I mean, just by comparison, it's a tiny little, I mean, we can't see it with our eyes, the infection. Yes, yep. right? That's how tiny it is. But how it's been interesting to see how such a tiny little thing, uh, with, you know, not diminishing the serious and grave effect it has on people's health and lives, how it has so dramatically uh, affected Western society, for example. Yes, you know, and the economy, and the, whether I have a job or not, and all yep. of these things, and one the consequences of that. One thing that struck me a lot, um, I was looking around the world um, at the various ways the news services were handling this, and one of the news services, like the reporters from India, was asked, how are people handling the isolation? And he shot back at this Western reporter, we don't, un- we don't have isolation here. That is a uh. privilege only Westerners have. And like wow. we are all sitting here whinging about isolation. He's saying that's a privilege you guys have, that you have homes that you can lock yourselves in. Nobody here has that privilege. We're all piled on top of each other in every circumstance. And basically they're at the mercy of, of this, this virus. So it, it really struck me how it has revealed um, things that we should have been able to see before. But um, And we're, we're still complaining about it having this privilege. Well, that's right. I mean, and I think it's a, a time, generally speaking, to help us uh, take time to refocus and re-choose what are the essentials in my life, what's really important. Yes. And um, and what can I do about that within what I have? And and so a really good and rich opportunity yeah. you know, to make the most of. And possibly from a Christian perspective, not just what I can do for me, but um, what need is there that I can help fulfill? What to other people Absolutely. need, yeah. And I think this is a big question because you're speaking about pastorally as well, uh, especially in times of isolation or lockdown. What do I do then? How do I how do I care for those others who I can't be with, for example? And we saw this. Uh, I mean, 
the drama here in Australia, for example, of um, people who are unable to go into the nursing home to visit their parents. Um, I was speaking to a man just a couple of weeks ago, I think last week. Uh, he ended up, he went out and bought a walkie-talkie. Right. A couple of them. Gave one to his wife and he would speak to her on the walkie-talkie and she'd have the other one and that's how they talk each day. <laughs> You know, and 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 he said to me, but all these people come to me. So, what's that thing you have? This this new thing I've never seen. I said it's a walkie-talkie, and oh, I mean, I have a mobile phone, but I don't know what that is. You know, and uh, uh, so, but but this is a real question because um, uh, I think I think uh, Archbishop Anthony he made this point very early on, uh, where he was speaking about uh, social distancing, but he said I've forgotten exactly what word it wasn't. He made some other distinction because uh, everyone's saying uh, social distancing or whatever it is, and it's not that. It's like we we know we are still in we're still in this together. We still have a social connection. Yes, I can't remember the phrase he used, but uh, I thought it was very important because words like isolation, mm. especially in a society which is uh, so afflicted by mental health questions, anxiety, depression, that's a very dramatic word, right? Even if you don't mean it necessarily so, and so too. Then talk everyone, oh, we have to go into isolation. It can be, I understand, especially people who already are alone yep. and you struggle with that. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in Australia. So how do they, how do, how do they cope with that and how can we assist them? Yeah. The Archbishop um, made this point um, a few weeks back, Father, with regards to mental illness. Lots of people throwing around mental illness. And he was saying, with respect to mental illness, there's definitely such a thing and it definitely requires our attention and, and proper medical help. But if you are sad because you've been alone for four weeks, that's not a mental illness. That's a normal reaction to being alone. You're missing people. Absolutely. And and he made the point, say, for example, if you've lost a relative or a loved one to COVID, then of course you're going to be sad. That's not a mental illness. That's a normal, proper human reaction. Um, yep. And I, I wonder, Father, if a huge amount of the, the focus on mental illness, which was around before COVID um, and the growing problems with people's depression, et cetera, is because of the all of the things we know cause these kinds of strains, these kinds of um, downers, are things like family breakdowns, I mean, relationship um, ending, abuse situations, all kinds of awful things which we know are proportionally on the rise and therefore maybe we don't have a mental health, mental health crisis, we have an actual society crisis and the mental response is a normal response to such a thing. Yes. Yeah, no. Uh, uh Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I would say obviously that uh, going, certainly going through COVID, uh, it's exacerbated it. Yes. Oh, yes. People, very definitely. Um, I'm aware of, for example, uh, of of a number of parishioners, for example, uh, and, and people who who were struggling and they were just starting to take some steps to do something, and then they couldn't see anymore, and they had, and you know, uh, and so again, the question for me as a priest. And the questions we should have as parishes, because we're a community, that's how it's meant to work. So what can we do for these brothers and sisters? How can we accompany them? Yeah. You know, what are the what are the good ways we can do that? And all I mean, we don't I don't want to downplay mental illness because there's definitely an issue there. Um and I don't want to say don't go and get help if you need it, because you should. Mm-hmm. But um Perhaps I mean the the very simple steps like being someone's friend, being there for them, listening to them when they're hurt or or sad or lonely or something like that can be the starting point. 
Well, it's very interesting because I was uh, on retreat recently and I noticed a book which I bought uh, on friendship. Right. And, I mean, this is a whole other podcast perhaps. Yes. But I think uh, one problem is there's a crisis in understanding what it means to be a friend. Wow. Uh, partly, partly exacerbated, for example, like because if I go on Facebook, I have a thing, I click a button, they're my friend. <laughs> well, no, that's not friendship. They've almost hijacked the word, haven't they? Well, sort of. I mean, because it's a verb now, I'll friend you. Right. Like, but what does that mean? And and yep. what is authentic friendship? And the, the natural demands. I'm afraid you've just talked yourself into friendship. another podcast, Father. <laughs> We're going to have to record another well, one. <laughs> but we need to wrap this topic up. So um, any final words sure. of encouragement to people out there in this time? Uh, well, uh to those of you, especially those uh, who are still affected by the COVID lockdowns and so on, uh, well, what I would say is as a priest, certainly, please, please, please take your daily time of prayer every day. You need to do that. You really need it. Uh, we all need to do that because, um, as St. Augustine says, our hearts are made for God and they only find rest in Him, not in other things. I mean, other things are helpful and important, but we need Him. And when we take time to pray, uh, a good silent 10 minutes every day, whether it be with scripture or with with the rosary or silent contemplation of an icon, whatever your, your method is, we take time in the arms of God the Father. We take time being loved by Christ. And having received that love, that makes it easier for us to then share that love and then to love others the rest of our day. And it gives us also a sense of context of, of proportion to things. Right? Mm. Everything is measured to the love of God, which is infinite. Right. And it help, that helps a lot. What a fantastic note to end the podcast on. That's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe to the podcast or drop us a line on any of our uh, face, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord feeds, or go to the website, thiscatholiclife.com.au. Be sure to write us a review if you find your way to iTunes. Remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that idea is worth getting behind. So tell your friends. In the show notes, we'll also have links to Father Josh's uh, podcast. Um, But before we go, it's time for shout-outs. Father, do you have anyone you'd like to say hi to? Uh, Yes, I'd like to make a shout-out to all the young men of the house I am chaplain to, House of Discernment Sumner House. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't with you this week because I had the cold, but uh, I missed you very much. And uh, and they they deserve some credit for getting doing the podcast as well. Actually, they pushed me a little bit <laughs> there. So uh, a shout out to you, young men. You inspire me to be a, a better priest and a better man. I'd like to shout out to all the teachers and the lecturers winding up at this time of the year. Uh, it's a interesting and very stressful time of the year for us as we try to do absolute justice and mercy to all students so uh, shout out to you guys that's all for now thank you for listening to this catholic life